Hey everyone, and welcome to the Yes I Can podcast, where our mission is to inspire and empower you to transform your life and transform the world by being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. I'm your host, Paul Can, and every week we are going to share amazing stories, strategies, and coaching to help you break through your limiting beliefs and supercharge your greatest superpower, the power of you. Your best life awaits. Let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Yes, I Can podcast, where our mission is to empower and inspire you to transform your life and transform the world by being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. I'm your host, Paul Kant, and thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you. Now, I am really, really pumped about our conversation today that we get to have with one of probably my favorite people. Um, this is not my first conversation. And I'm so I'm so honored and glad that I get to have a second incredible, open, and authentic conversation with the one and only, I'm not going to say her name yet. I'm going to introduce all her amazing stuff first, but you know, expert, intimacy expert. She is a global media personality. She's been featured in multiple different publications from the Good Men Project. She's been on Huffington Post, People Magazine, Forbes, CBS, uh, Fox, the list goes on and on. And she's also the author of six books. And she's interviewed um, Whoopi Goldberg, Alanis Morissette, and she's the host of the edgy podcast, Intimate Conversations. Now she has over 5 million views on YouTube and she has coached Lisa Gibbons during Dancing with the Stars. Now, the most powerful thing about this expert isn't just about all the incredible things she's done, but just her story as well from where she came from, from coming from two different marriages that didn't work out, going from losing her home, going to a quarter million dollars in legal debt to now being the go-to authority who is the person to talk to about you know where to thrive, how to break through suffering, going from suffering from heartbreak to living unapologetically, authentically you, and to attract a open-hearted, ideal relationship. So please help me and welcome the one and only Alana Pratt. Alana, thank you so much for being on the Yes I Can podcast today. I am so excited to have you. Oh my God, Paul. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to like record you as my morning, <laughs> like alarm that goes off and welcome Alana Pratt to the day. Like <laughs> you're so kind, so kind. I'm very, very grateful to be. You know what? It's so easy. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I've, I've, um, we've all been through the ringer. We've all Mm. gone through something. And really, if we can do the work to stop being victims of that and really go, how can the very worst bring out the very best in me? We we all can get to this place of being unapologetic and our unapologeticness could be very loud, could be very quiet, could be a combination of both, but it's, it's ease. It's real. It's home. Mm. So um, let's dive in and help people the best we can in this time together. Absolutely. And you know what? It was so easy just being, you know, I would love to be your hype man every day. You definitely put that as your, you know, your ringtone. Um, and it's so easy because you've done so many incredible things. And, you know, I, I, I love your, not only what you're up to, but your story and how you're so unapologetic and you're so open and authentic about it. And I love the messaging that you bring because, you know, when we're talking about today, being the one to find the one, I really resonate with that because that really was my journey. Because 
in terms of when we think about relationships, often we're thinking about, well, when the other person changes, when all these different things happen in my relationship, you know, then, you know, I'm finally going to have the life that I want. Finally, you know, why can't, why can't that person show up and then my life will be great. But I realized that it really starts with us and how we show up and who we are being really attracts the same types of people into our lives, especially from a, you know, a, a, a deep intimacy standpoint, especially the relationship closest to us. So, you know, kind of let's dive right in. I, I'd love for you to bring us on that journey, you know, for, I, I love your story and, and I'd love for you to bring us along in terms of what was that point for you? You know, like you've having gone through two different marriages that didn't work out a really tough, challenging custody battle. I remember last time when we talked, there was still a lot that was different things that were, were kind of going on as we were talking about like your relationship with your son. Mm-hmm. How did you, what was the turning point for you to take your, your experience and everything that you went through and turn it into now something that you get to change thousands of lives with and yeah. to be this pillar for turning heartbreak into a thriving, you know, authentically free life. So walk us along that journey because you easily could have went the other way saying, screw this, yeah. screw love, but yet you've turned something that was challenging into so much good into the world. So tell us a little bit, walk us along that journey for you. I could have been a bitter bitch, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you could have, you definitely could have. <laughs> I'd have a right to be a bitter bitch. Um, so yeah, just a little uh, backstory for those that don't know my story. Small town Canadian girl, Hopped on Uncle Phil's 18-wheeler semi when I was 19 from Canada down to LA to like make it. And I was brave enough and talented enough. I just didn't have the visa. So with $40 left to my name and I would have to use my dad's credit card to go home and admit failure and go back and work in the pharmacy. So I was like, hell no. (laughs) So I didn't give up and I got a job dancing in Japan modeling in Japan, being an English speaker in Japan, making a lot of money there, meeting husband number one. And I was still, I hadn't done any personal growth work. So I was still damsel in distress looking for daddy's love. Cause even though my dad is dry now, he was drunk and stoned growing up, not present. So I was always trying to do what I could to feel safe in that intense environment and also get love. So I attracted somebody kind of emotionally unavailable so that maybe one day out of seven, I felt that connection, which felt normal, familiar, but unhealthy. So ultimately after six years of being together and therapy and workshops, et cetera, that didn't work, but that took me from met him in Tokyo, married him in New York, moved to LA. So I got to LA and I found more of my spiritual people. I wasn't weird to be, uh, meditating. I didn't have to hide in the closet anymore that I was this sensual, sacred, sensual, spiritual chick. Um, and during the, that time in LA, I met my second husband and that was when my mom was dying of cancer mm-hmm. and I didn't really do, I guess I improved from being a damsel in distress to being more responsible for my life when I met my second husband, but it was more like um, masculine energy. My heart was closed. I was driven. I'm going to make this happen. You know, love is in Disneyland. I was a little jaded and a closed heart attracts a closed heart right? So uh, that marriage was over within a year. Mom died, single motherless mom, not, not a good, not a good place. And I'm like, okay, the only one in common is me. Let's start doing the work here. And when the custody battle ensued after I uh, left my second husband for like over a decade, it really flushed up everything. I was humiliated, 
He succeeded in turning my family against me and friends against me. The bills were insane. I lost all my assets. I went into debt. And I didn't get that the better liar wins. The better liar wins. And I, little Miss Naive, everybody's love. I didn't see manipulation coming. I didn't, I didn't know people thought like that or behave like that. And it was so devastating for my psyche. I like literally questioned God. Like, do you even exist? Why would I be going through this? Um, so it was a really dark time. The gift is though, when you lean in to the darkness, the light is in there, the light is hidden in there, but a lot of us don't navigate intense emotions. Well, a lot of us aren't taught how to breathe through fear, uh, anger, sadness, we are told, you know, boys don't cry, you know, be seen, not heard, you know, good girls behave a certain way, right? We, and so we stuff this away, but those stuffed emotions are like trauma and what you resist persists and it grows this big block inside of you. And I was just this big old people pleaser begging to be approved of until I realized, okay, we got to, we got to wire myself properly. I've been outside in for decades. Do you like me? Do you approve of me? Will you give me attention? You know, will you hire me? Will you marry me? Well, like whatever it was all outside in. And then the sense of relief momentary would come over me. Oh, I am good enough. It was all external. And so even if I got it, then I had to keep it. And that's where the people pleaser manipulation, giving away my power, saying yes, when I meant no, that's when all that's. So I'm like, okay, stop. And I remember the turning point, as you asked, the turning point moment, I would say many, many along the way, because I always do the work. I still have like three coaches right now of mine. And of course I have a full coaching practice who I coach, but I always, I choose to be a student, always learn always. But one of the biggest moments was after the court battle was basically over and I gave in, I said, fine, you take more custody. I'll take less. Let's just have peace. But then I had, at least my son still loves me. Everyone else had turned against me. The court of California didn't believe me, but at least my son loved me. And then he turned and he went to go live with dad. And it was like the last straw. There was nothing left on the outside, Paul, to grasp on. So the only place to go was my knees uh, inside. And uh, a practice that I did that I review in several of my books and my, I have a HeartMates um, dating app and intimacy curriculum, also HeartMates for couples. Like what I've discovered, this recipe, one of the pieces was what I call little you. And little you inside, there was many little you's, the humiliated one, insecure one, and I started writing a list down and giving this part of me a voice because normally I would just shut her up, put on a fake happy face and power through, right? But the adrenal fatigue was catching up and the fakey fake, you know, I, I couldn't stand myself any longer. So I wrote down this list, you know, what if everybody opts out of my Facebook? What if nobody wants to work with me because I'm not, I have all these skeletons in my closet. What do I know about relationships? What if my son never talks to me again? What if, what if, what if, like all my fears, I just wrote them down. And then beside them, I sat on this big deck outside overlooking nature, this place I had created for my controlled nervous breakdown uh, was where I was going to go. And I read through and at the end of every sentence said, even if my son never speaks to me again, I love and approve of myself. Even if I never get out of debt, declare bankruptcy, I always make the joke, move to Costa Rica and be a barista or something like, you know, whatever. I love and accept myself. If, if everything I've built is destroyed and I need to go do something else with my life, I love and accept myself. And I went down through every sentence. So we had the, the, the thought. Then I started to create the image of loving and accepting myself. And then I started to feel the emotion of compassion 
and unconditional, not conditional love. I'll love you when you get your act together, you get out of debt and you look good. Like not that that's conditional love. Like I I read the statements with unconditional love. Like I meant it. I love and accept myself. And then I let myself have the full body sensation of the relief it feels to no longer strive and to no longer try to prove or justify, but just, I love myself, even if no one else does this sense of home. So image, thought, emotion, body sensation over and over and over and over. And on that deck one day, after like three weeks of doing this and sobbing and puffy eyes and the rest of it, I have what I call a direct experience. And I've had these in different, different ways, like maybe on plant medicine, or maybe like a a Vipassana, or maybe like a, like a retreat where you just say, tell me who you are for five days. Like I've had these direct experiences before in a controlled environment with others, but I cultivated it for myself in that moment. And Paul, the best way I can describe it is gravity fell away. There was no difference between the outside of my skin and the universe. And I just felt bombarded by unconditional love of the universe. And it dawned on me in that moment, which was just tearfully beautiful that it wasn't the universe leaving me. It was me leaving the universe because I had disassociated, pushed away, judged, criticized me. That distance within me was mirrored outward. And when I came home on the inside, the oneness with the universe was right there, was always there, will always be there. I was the one that was pushing it away, ashamed of being who I am. And so when I came home to little Alana, all the little motley crew inside and I had home. I wouldn't say it was like, I'm good enough. And it wasn't like this elation. It was just like this quiet. I'm enough. Even in all my shit, I'm enough. There was this sense of being able, like I have another process in, in my heartmates. I call it God and the goddess. And we, I create the visualization of, can you literally walk up to God and the goddess and look them in the eye? Because up until that direct experience, I couldn't, I was ashamed was mad at them. They had forsaken me. Um, I thought they would think I'm a loser. I couldn't look my makers, my creators in the eye. But in that moment of that direct experience, I, it was like, it was like scotch and cigars party. It was like, (laughs) we were just like, Hey, homie girl, we've been waiting for you. But until you unconditionally love you, can we give you our unconditional love? The inside creates the outside. And I was like, I get it. I get it. You are my, my partner. You are my homies. I am your, I'm your girl. And I just imagined Shiva and Shakti, yin and yang, and I'm in the center of it all. And they were just loving me. And I thought, okay, so, so now life's, the motivation for life is different now. It's not to be good enough. It's not to prove I'm good enough. Like, what's the point now? And a lot of people meet this point of um, home. And it's a real, it can be just, it can be uncomfortable because we used to be motivated by fear. Now the ego is like, hell no, how are we going to do things? And I'm like, no, now it's time to be inspired by love. It's a different way of living. We choose to give because we can, not because we should, not because we need the money, not to look good, because we get to give from the overflow. So that's where, um, that's where I'm so blessed to be. So that's a long ass answer to your, <laughs> to uh, your I question. Love it. I love you. it. And you know, I, I think that, that first of all, Thank you for sharing your just incredible story with us. I think it is really a powerful one to show not only that where you start doesn't dictate where you end up and also what can be possible when we really step into focusing in instead of focusing out. And I think, like you said, often we're placing our 
value in a lot of things that are outside of us. And I think it's really interesting that you talk about, you know, like being uncomfortable with yourself, like being comfortable with once you discover I'm, I am enough, then what's on the other side. And I think that's an interesting thing that I would love to have a conversation about because I realized that, you know, and this was so true for me when my whole life, I was an underdog whole life. I was just striving to be accepted, striving to be enough, striving to just be quote unquote normal. And it was like the moment I accepted that I'm just, I I wasn't, I didn't need to be normal because there was no normal that I could just fully be authentically myself. And everything that used to drive me, which was the needing to prove myself, needing to fight to be enough. When that was gone, I almost didn't know what to do with myself. That's what I mean. There's a moment, right? Yeah. And so like when we're at those moments, you know, what, when we, when you were talking about like focusing on love, what does that get to look like where, you know, because there is this almost, I feel like the space that you're in where it's like, wow, like everything that I have been thought was true up until this point no longer is. And I right. am in a whole new paradigm, which can be yep. scary. Yeah. So, and I think we're, also physically kind of in that place right now, like where we are in the world is this like whole new paradigm of like, who am I? What am I doing? Where do we get to go from here when we're in this space now where we're like, wow, everything that was old is not where I am anymore. And everything in front of me is unknown. Yeah. Well, this is back to the title of the show. This is where it's time to become the one to find the one. So we we've talked about the inner work to, to find the one, which is, is ourself first or the divine. And then that gets mirrored on the outside in a partner, a business partner, a romantic partner, all these different, these different ways. So when we begin to call it like really choose before we want, we need, we hope we wish it doesn't do any good. Mm -hmm. Um, but the true choice means I'm having this mixed with, I have no fucking clue how I'm going to get there. Like total unattachment, totally out of control, but complete discernment awareness of I'm having this or better. I'm having this or better. And then the attachment to when it happens doesn't matter anymore. And who, what, where, when, how, like that part doesn't matter anymore. It's like this inner prompting begins to lead you. And it might even lead you in a direction that doesn't turn out because you need to learn something there that's going to take you over here. Like when I left on Uncle Phil's semi, I failed in LA. I succeeded in Tokyo. I had to fail to get to Tokyo. I couldn't have gone from Canada straight to Tokyo. Like that whole journey was required. So when you begin to choose something that might feel light, exciting, expansive could just be a learning journey to get you one step closer to where you're really meant to be. So you have to trust more in the bigger picture and in the energy, uh, those, those breadcrumbs of, uh, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, uh, deepen your intuition and instinct more than your eyes that see a number in the bank account, how many clients you have, how many texts you got from a lover, all that kind of stuff. It's not so much about the 1.01% that we can see it's what science tells us is the 99.9% we can't see, but we can feel and we can know and we can sense. And so one of the next steps when you get to this place is to slow down and do more inner work, journaling, time in nature, work with a coach, contemplation, meditation, this type of thing to, to here's your, here's your choice. And then say, why? And say, da, da, da. then say, why again? Da, da, da. Why again? Like take, take the rabbit trail of why? So that you, you really feel like, oh, because I can't not, because this is my purpose, because this is my mission. 
And yes, the mission and vision will get clearer, but we're like, no, 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 I can't not do this. Before it was a strategy in order to be safe, in order to get money, in order to look good. Now I can't not be me. This is the unapologetic nature. And it has many flavors it can look like. So again, no attachment because I am a coach. I have a podcast. I'm a writer. I'm launching a dating app. I have different ways my love moves into the world. But the through line is to love little you and be home and live from fullness. Mm-hmm. So we give others spaciousness to connect with us. And we don't need anything on the outside. We're giving from the overflow of the inside. It's really a spiritual path. Whatever your, your relationship is a spiritual practice, your job is a spiritual practice. It's not so much about the getting because once you get it, what are you going to get next? Like it never ends. It's more of this fullness from the moment. So I would say, really look at what would delight you, turn you on, enliven you, not what would strategically work in the market today. Like, yes, you need to be aware of that, Mm. but what this tendril of turn on this sacred sexual energy of aliveness, what literally makes you feel juicy or orgasmic or, or, um, enlivened that's in my opinion, life force energy in as, and through you wanting your unique expression, the one that only you can give no one else can or will. So, so there's no competition. It's just, what am I here to do? Cause it feels right. It feels good. You still might have fear. You're still going to fail, fall down a million times and get back up a million and one times. Okay. So it's not like it's going to be the path of perfection, but it's going to be right for you. And on those days that are hard and there will be hard days on the days when nobody wants to work with you, nobody wants to have sex with you, like whatever the day is. Okay. What's going to keep you going is that you're in alignment with your soul and your purpose and this energy, and you're never alone. You might be alone in a room, but you'll be always home with little you inside and the universe will always have your back. So you'll never have this desperate place anymore when you do the become the one to find the one with yourself on the inside. And that takes you through the hard days. And then the good days when you knock it out of the park, like I, I welcomed my first hundred K client this week. I've never, that's my very first time. I've failed at that pitch many, many times, but I finally did it. And what's really amazing when you're doing it to serve another, not to be good enough. After I closed the client, it was a very quiet moment. I'm like, okay, well, I've visioned that moment for years. I've felt the feelings of it already being done for years. I don't need to get all addictive high. So then I have a depressive low. If it doesn't work out, I'm off the roller coaster. It's just, no, I'm here to serve because that, that person serves millions and ought to be serving billions. And I can see that I can see the inner working that needs to happen for this individual to be their greatest impact. So it's a, it's a humble honor to work with her, not an egoic, look what I did. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice that when you, so this inner prompting, when you do succeed, it's not going to have the ego high anymore, the hit. So that part of your life's going to be over. There's going to be a rich joy, a fulfillment that's sustainable and grows over time. But it's this mix of humility and dignity that very few, in my opinion, big people out there in the personal growth world, the relationship world, the podcast world, like there's very few who have this humility. They don't, they're not doing it for the rah-rah their, their egos put aside and it's their heart, fiercely, boldly loving heart leading the way. And it feels so good to be in that place. And I'm not perfect. I lose my way. I still do the fetal position from time to time. I get scared from time to time. I have my coaches that show me my blind spots, had a long call with one of them this morning. So it's not about, it's never about perfection, but it's about the privilege of being alive. 
Yeah. First of all, congratulations on your 100K client. I think that's just amazing. And I mean, just a testament of not only the work that you're up to. And I love how, how you talked about that richness that you feel from having created something that was in your vision for some, such a long time, but wasn't this like, oh my God, I celebrate, like pop the champagne. It was this just like you, like you said, this like deep knowing of like, wow, like this was created and there's such a fulfillment for what you're creating. And yeah. I'd love to talk a little bit. I, I heard you talk about desperation, not creating something out of desperation and this vision that you just manifested has been in your vision for a long time. How do you, and I find like, this is, this is a challenging spot and a love to, to, to dive deeper into it in terms of having a vision that is so big, like the one that you have that just manifested for you and yet being unattached to it. And often mm-hmm. the question that I, that I hear a lot is like, well, how do I get, how do I stay unattached to something that I truly want? That is so big. What is the discernment between, you know, wanting something and really just being like, this is truly something that I want and yet letting go of the expectation of when it happens and how it happens. Yeah. Such a great question. This is really actually very, very core to all the work that I do with my heartmates dating app and intimacy training, because we want to find the one, but my latest book is called finding the one is bullshit. Mm. Becoming the one is brilliant and beautiful because the wanting and being attached is literally energetically what pushes love away, money away, situations away, people away, even your kids you know, if you really want them to be getting A's, they're going to get D's and like say, <laughs> big F you, right? Maybe not, but maybe. Um, okay, so one of the ways, first, it's not wanting, we choose. So when we want, we're confirming lack, which immediately makes you get attached to the result. So you have to get rid of that entire way of living and you step into, I choose. So for me, when I, when I choose something, I got to do the checkpoints. Is it for the highest good of all? Is it going to um, uplift my life, their life? Is it an expression of my purpose? Um, does it, is it honoring of another? Like I, I go through all my um, integrity checkpoints and then I face worst case scenario right out of the gate. That was the blessing of losing everything was that I had to, I sat in worst case scenario and still loved myself. Most of us don't want to go anywhere near worst case scenario. We don't want to deal with failing. We don't want to face failing. We don't want to feel failing. So we just clamor, clamor, pleasure, wins, accomplishments, achievements. So when I choose something, I go, okay. Like for example, my, my dating app, which is launching and it's like a Trinity, uh, the dating app itself, we started, it's still not freaking live. The hoops of Google and Apple during COVID is like, drives me freaking insane. So, um, (laughs) however, the online curriculum is there and the live conscious connection calls every Friday is there. So the Trinity's almost there, but the idea is I've invested over a hundred K, uh, over since March when I, when the impetus was there, like I got to serve humanity when we need it the most. Like that was the thing that came through me. I'm like, I don't know how to do an app, figure it out. I don't know where a hundred K is going to come from, figure it out, serve. So, so I had to face, okay, so what if I fail? And you, you don't just think about it. You see it, you feel it, you do the body sensations, you have the good cry. You really, in your mind's eye and in your heart, sit in, I lost 100K, it totally flopped. People think I'm a loser. My clients don't want to work with me anymore. And then I go all the way down to, I'm a barista in Costa Rica. I go all the way, all the way. And then I sit there and I go, and I still love and accept myself. Okay, 
Okay. And that, if you really do it well, and I have so many quantum psychology processes in my digital curriculum, my group coaching curriculum, my inner circle people that I work privately with, like everybody I lovingly force, I invite, I dare, uh, I challenge. You cannot be unattached unless you are willing to face your worst case scenario and no, not think, no, you're enough. You'll be okay. And you'll just get right back up again and, and try again or try something different from what you learned, learn from your, get the wisdom from it. Like you're going to fail a lot. If you're up to a big life, a big relationship, a big career, a big, anything you're going to fail all the time. So you've got to get good at failing, which is leaning into the failed little you and not resisting, not fixing, not judging, not criticizing, not avoiding, not drinking, not all the things we do. You got to be with worst case scenario and love the shit out of yourself there just as much. And here's the spiritual key and processes I take my clients through. Can you love the failed you as much as you love the successful you? Because if you can't, you will be manipulated and you will manipulate others. Mm -hmm. Things will be transactional. They will have an agenda and a strategy and people will feel it. And they will not pay you the money to work with you. They will not marry you. They will not have sex with you. They will not be in a long-term relationship with you. They will use you because you have a blind spot. You're so attached to succeeding and unwilling to have it fail or not go well that that they they can use you. And that's what happened to me. I was so attached back in court to not losing my son that I had blind spots up in every single corner. And I was just like a sitting duck taken advantage of. And I learned from that. And so there's a beauty to diving into the dark shadows and being with it and coming home to self. Then you're like, okay, well, worst case I fail. So all I got to do is just now put one foot in front of the other. I'm not attached. I know it's aligned with my purpose. And then the magic starts. Then the out of the blue magic starts because we are a vibration. 211 degrees isn't boiling. 212 degrees is boiling. You can go through your whole life at 211 and then die and never have that state change, never have that tipping point, never have that relationship, never have that million, whatever it is, that book, podcast, whatever it is you're trying to create, never get there. So little hinges swing big doors, being willing to keep putting one foot in front of the other without attachment, process your fear, process your shame, process your anger, process your disappointment, process your overwhelm, process, process, process. My poor my poor coaches and my poor staff, like we have one staff meeting a week for KPIs and you know what we're doing every week. And we have another staff meet. I'm like, hi, how you feeling? How's it going? And we just be, and we cry and we laugh and we vision and we hold and we have family because that both of those are important. So if you can keep being that, you will be the vibration, not of 211, but of 212. State change, miracle, email comes out of nowhere. Opportunity comes out of nowhere. Client comes out of nowhere. Man comes out of nowhere. Like this guy, Paul, could I just be a girl for a second? Yes. <laughs> I'm like 50, right? But I'm still a girl inside sometimes too. This guy I met five years ago, I wasn't, I wasn't there. I wasn't ready. I wasn't receptive. He's calm and solid. And I was still a little bit in, he has to be like me and loud and whatever the hell, crazy and all that. And I'm like, oh no, he's a nice compliment. And he's circled back. So it'll be interesting. The universe will bring you your, you know, your highest ideal lover, uh, clients, situations when you are your ideal self. The inner always creates the outer. So, ne- and we never get there. We never get there. Mm. First of all, I just want to say, 
I want to look like you when I turn 50, because I mean, <laughs> like, if that is what it looks like, I'd like sign me up for 50. That looks fantastic. And if I can look even a quarter of how, 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 um, how, like what you're up to and how you look, I love it. You're just radiating first of all. So I think that's amazing. And you know, I love what you said about, are you willing to love yourself, yourself that doesn't have all the achievements yourself that is, you know, the quote unquote failure that you see as much as you love the you that is succeeding. And I think that is such a humbling moment that I think it is also such a gift. Like I remember um, actually about a year ago when we were having a conversation, I was living with my in-laws with 11 people in one household with two bathrooms. And I had like a a bag of clothes and my laptop and that was all. And that's what I moved to the U.S. with. And I remember having this conversation with my wife. And before that, when I used to live in Toronto, I was living in a penthouse. I was working a six-figure job. Like everything looked fantastic on the outside, but it was so hollow on the inside. Like I'd be going on vacations to Bali and, and feel like, why, why, am, why is everything gray right now? Like, why do I not feel any joy in my life? Like what is wrong? Wow. Wow. And I remember that moment when I was sitting in my in-law's house in my one bedroom with 11 people and being like, you know what? I have never had so little in my life. Mm. And yet I've never felt like I had so much. Wow. And it was this like really like, it was just like a very quiet moment of like, yeah. wow, like this is where I am right now. And it's mm-hmm. so humbling. And at the same time realizing I really don't need that much and that I'm still okay. Yeah. And I love what you said there, because I think that is such a powerful moment that a lot of times we put shame around that if we don't have all the things that it makes us not good enough. But I really feel like those are the moments that define who we are and define our character. Because if you had nothing, who are you really? It's such a great question to ask. And Mm -hmm. so few of us get the opportunity to experience it. We can journal about it or, you know, contemplate it. But when you really have it all stripped away and there's only you to look at, that's your choice moment, choice moment. Like you just said, those defining moments, like, am I willing to lean in and love myself even now? Or because everything on the outside didn't go well, I'm going to reject myself too. Suicides are at an all time high, like the holidays, uh, and COVID and all these other, uh, factors are even more pressure on people where the, we, we used to be able to go to all these restaurants or we used to be able to buy all these things or we used to have freedoms here. All these things we actually maybe did to escape on some level, facing and feeling what's on the inside. And I remember one interview I did, she was so concerned about children growing up right now and how they're gonna be so messed up because of all of this. And I said, well, I can appreciate the challenges that they're having, having to go to school online and wear masks and all the rest of it. I go, but you know what? They, they aren't keeping up with the Joneses. They, they, they're learning to, they can't go anywhere. So they're playing in the dirt and they're having fun playing in the dirt. They're, they're, they're being able to, to burn, uh, um, sit in the fire of it not going the way it used to go. And they're learning to soothe themselves. If they have a conscious parent that can help them, they're actually going to grow up really balanced, being able to have that inner uh, soothing, the appreciation for the little things while um, when they do get to be with people, really appreciating people, not taking them for granted. And when they really get to be around all the rest of it that all of us have taken for granted, they're going to have a level of appreciation and gratitude if they're guided as such. 
they're going to be, I think, way more conscious than all of us. Thank goodness they're going to take over this world when, when we're gone. So it's, it's, yeah, it's another point of view that the very worst is such a gift. Pain is such a gift. Death is such a gift. Bankruptcy is such a gift. Having to pivot your business is such a gift. Losing, quote unquote, the love of your life. It, it's all such a gift if you're willing to lean in and go, wow. Not cognitively anal- an- analyzing like, how is this for me? Well, not spiritual bypass. Like really, oh my God, I'm learning surrender. I'm learning fortitude. I'm learning true self-worth. I'm learning humility. I'm learning true generosity. I'm learning to be unapologetically me, even though I've been rejected by all those that I had, their opinion of me was my worth. I've taken back my opinion of me as my worth. Like these are beautiful moments from then to create from. And then you're not creating just because everybody else is doing it this way. I guess I got to be a bestseller and have a podcast and make a million. Is that what one does? And then we're good enough. Like, no, if you don't want to do that, don't do that. If you want to create 10 podcasts and 10 million, if it's authentic, do it. And if you don't want to do any of that, and you're that quiet sage and nobody knows really how enlightened you are because you're the quiet one in the room, be that. But it's regardless, it's just be you, whatever's truly authentic because the richness and the fulfillment's there. And my experience is the money is an energy and money likes to play with happy, humble, on honorable, tenacious, respectful, integrous people. Because money wants to be managed well. Money wants to be honored like a boyfriend or girlfriend would want to be honored, like a wife or husband would want to be honored. Money's the same. So when I got out of debt, I honored money. And I said, you know what? I didn't, I didn't save you. I didn't invest you. I just, the lawyer said, we need 25K by Monday. And I freaked out and closed another client and did it. I didn't say, what do we need 25K for Monday for exactly? I was so desperate, as we talked about earlier, to losing my son that I came from my lowest vibration of fear. And I didn't honor myself or money. And then when that was all over, I said, okay, money, we're going to do credit card consolidation. Okay. We're going to delay gratification. Okay. And I remember moving from the big house to the little matchbox from the mansion to the matchbox. My son and I called it, he was maybe like five. And I, and I walked in and I said, honey, I'm so ashamed. I'm so sorry. This is where we're going to be living now. And he goes, mom, I love it. There's way more shelves in my room than my other room. I love it, mom. Don't worry, mom. I love it. I'm just like, oh, what a beautiful boy. I'm the one wrapped up in trying to over-deliver. There were so many Christmases with one present under the tree, and it wasn't even from me. You know, it was from someone else. And, uh, and to get him to savor the small, simple times as much as the big times and give him a sense of humility. Like, yes, we went to, I saved up five years to go to Atlantis in the Bahamas. But on the way there, I said, look outside the windows before we get to the big hotel, look how they're living, look how they're living. And then I took them to town. There was this new year's uh, celebration of music and parades and drumming to really be with the culture and say, you know, we, mommy saved five years for this trip. Okay. This is not how we live all the time. This is the regular folk, the real people. Let's, let's be with them so that he has, um, he has gratitude and humility and he's not entitled. That's always been very important to me for him to, to realize and to earn his own way. I was saying to another client the other day, I love that I've had nothing and created from nothing because I don't have a terror inside of me if I leave it all that I won't be able to recreate it. I know I can recreate it. So if that client doesn't work out or I need to lay off somebody and you know during the different times of, of our lives and pandemic, maybe we have to downsize. But we got, we got this, the universe has us. And if we don't know this, 
we're terrified, we can become bitchy, um, conniving, manipulative, out of terror and desperation. And then we're ashamed of how we've been, which lowers our vibration even more. So again, always become the one to find the one, do the work. It will reap you so many rewards, monetarily, vocationally, parentally, spiritually, mentally, all of it. Yeah. Wow. And I think that is such a beautiful place to really tie together and break together our conversation. Like what, what, I couldn't think of a better way just with how you brought just the gift of humility to the Mm. forefront, the gift of seeing who we truly are. And I think that is, you know, the, the, one of my favorite quotes is seeing the gift in the garbage, you know, and, and, you know, I think this is the time of where we are at right now, when we have nothing, when there isn't all the, the glitz and the glamour of, like you said, traveling or going to things outside of ourselves to, to numb oftentimes, you know, to avoid that we are going within to see ourselves. And when we truly see ourselves, not only are we learning to fall in love with ourselves and be with ourselves, but also I love what you said about if there's nothing else in our lives, that deep knowing is such a gift to know that even without it, you are fully whole. And so I love that. Go ahead. Thank you. No, you're so, so right. And so when I developed this app, this is what people have so much trouble with dating that they, they need the, the attention. They, they, they have trouble being vulnerable because they're still outside in. They're still so attached to all of that on the outside. But when you can really come home, like here I am, here's my wobbly part. She's kind of annoying from time to time, but here she is. And here's my triumphant part. She kicks ass. She's pretty amazing. And uh, like, here's me. Hi. Like no, no apology, no justification. So you can be exactly who you are and then they can be exactly who they are. (gasps) And then the connection, the intimacy, the transparency, the getting each other, the understanding. Like, I think we really just want to be understood. Mm -hmm. We think our ego thinks we need to be right and in control, but our heart and our soul just wants to be seen and loved and accepted and understood for who we are and who we're not. We don't even need to agree on everything really at the end of the day. We just want to be honored for our point of view seen and acknowledged for a point of view. So all the trainings that I'm doing with the conscious connection Fridays or the intimacy training is, is using what we're talking about so that you can show up authentically and, and attract somebody that's ideal for you. Your authentic meets another authentic. And there you go. But this is how you do, how you do this is how you do it. How you do one thing is how you do everything. So this same authenticity, you're going to attract the best investors for your company, the best clients for your company, the best friends in your inner circle who really are there for you at three in the morning, the ones who won't judge you, the ones who have your back, right? That capacity on the inside, it's very um, efficient because every area in your life up levels when you're willing to go to the core. So that's, I like to be efficient. I like Mm, to give big returns on investments with results. And um, yeah, it makes life worth living and being an inspiration when a lot of people are so scared right now. So, so Mm. scared. Absolutely. And and for our audience, if they love to find out more about you, Alana, where can they find out more about you and your work? Thank you, Paul. So if you're single and you're ready for a dating app where you can become the one to find the one and keep the one, heartmates.app. Go there right now. Uh, join our community. It's uh, it's an amazing... People are literally starting to like get a little Twitter-pated on our Friday Conscious Connection calls, not even like on the dating app. So like all places are for authentic beings, conscious beings to come together. So that's the app. And everything else would be my website, alanapratt.com. My name, Alana Pratt, two L's, two T's. And that's where Heartmates for Couples is. That's where my six books are. They're also on Amazon. Uh, that's where I've got guided meditations, 
so many resources of interviews, uh, podcasts, et cetera, there. An intimacy blind spot assessment is also there. It's actually quite great to be helped in seeing your blind spot because that's the definition of a blind spot. You can't see it. But when you can finally see it, I'll be honest, it might piss you off at first because <laughs> the truth often pisses you off, but then it sets you free. So it's all about being a big girl, a big boy, like put on our big boy boxers or big girl, you know, pants, like let's be spiritually mature. Stop blaming, stop criticizing, stop being victims and go, okay, got it. Here's my wobbly part that I'm committed to not judging, but evolving and growing and supporting into being a badass, taking my power back. So that's the intimacy uh, assessment that's on the site. Um, and then from there, you can find the YouTube channel with I answer people's questions every week, my podcast, intimate conversations, um, all the resources there from totally complimentary to VIP packages. It's all it's all there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Alana, for all the gold that you dropped on us today. Just it's such it's always such a a pleasure, you know, just ha being in the same space as you. And I love the work that you're doing and what you're up to, all the incredible transformations mm -hmm. that you're creating, especially in relationships in the world. And so thank you so much once again mm -hmm. for being on the podcast today. It was such a pleasure to uh, have you. Thank you for having me. You are an extraordinary host and thank you for walking your talk in this world. We need more of you, Paul. So <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me. It's a privilege. Thank you so much, Alana. And for our audience, thank you so much for joining us once again. And until next time, keep being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. We'll see you next time. The Yes I Can podcast is directed by Paul Can. Executive producers of the podcast are Paul Can, Chelsea Lynn, and Joy Sauce.